Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah is brought to you by Fuedobots. If you're not familiar, Fuedobots is a hot sauce of the month club. They bring small batch and craft hot sauces that you've probably never heard of to your doorstep every 30 days, every 60 days, or every 90 days. It's your choice. They've got sauces from the Deep South, Mexico, and even the Caribbean available to purchase right now. Guys, they even sell a spicy honey. You can shop by spiciness level, pepper type, and they even have gluten-free and low-sodium options. Go to Fuedobots.com and use the code BROBIBLE10 for $10 off your first subscription order. How did you know we were going to a bar mitzvah? You don't remember me? Sloan. Sloan McEwick, right? Alright, we are back with another episode of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, The Entourage Podcast. I'm your host, comedian and writer J.R. Hickey, coming to you from San Francisco with a sinus infection. Playing hurt these next couple episodes, guys. Apologies. Hope you had a great weekend. Hot one here in the Bay Area. I went to my first NBA Finals game on Friday night, where I proceeded to see my beloved Golden State Warriors get their doors kicked in by the Toronto Raptors. But you're not here to hear about the NBA. You're here to hear about Entourage. Had another great comedian guest on for this week's episode, uh, episode 10 of season 2, The Bot Mitzvah. Noah Darden-Swartz is a touring stand-up comedian who is also a writer on the writing staff for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. They're finishing writing season three right now. I saw Noah four or five years ago on Last Time at Standing. Since then, he's blown up. He was on Conan. He's headlined all over the country. Check out his stuff at noahgcomedy.com. Just a great conversation with a great comedian. Gonna try to get more comedians on for these episodes because I, I think we all agree that comedians are some of the best guests you can have. Thank you to everyone that's been listening, leaving five star reviews or shared the podcast in any medium. Uh, it's super helpful. Make sure you follow the podcast on social media at Oh Yeah Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Lots of cool stuff planned for the end of season two into season three here, guys. The 15-year anniversary of Entourage is coming up in mid-July, so a lot of cool, special stuff coming up, so keep your eyes and ears peeled. Thanks for listening. Again, sorry about my voice. I'm sick as a fucking dog. Enjoy the rest of your week, and enjoy my conversation with Noah. Later. Our guest this week is a New York-based comedian and writer. He's been a semi-finalist on Last Comet Standing, and he's performed stand-up on Conan O'Brien and Adam Devine's House Party. His debut album, Blunt, is currently available from Comedy Central Records. He is currently a writer on Amazon's Golden Globe-winning show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Dialing in from the East Coast, Noah Darden-Swartz, welcome to the Entourage Podcast. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. How's it going? Going pretty good. It's a holiday weekend. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. Although, as a comedian, do you have Memorial Day off? How does that even work? I do. Well, as you mentioned, I'm I'm uh, in a writer's room right now for a show, so I do have a bit of a nine to five uh, separate from the comedy. So I got today off, which is very nice. But uh, other than, yeah, yeah, um, comedians pretty much any night we're not working is like a three day weekend. So <laughs> well, you're working hard on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's a hilarious show. If, if people haven't I mean, if people have been living under a rock and haven't checked it out yet, go do that. It's on Amazon. We are going to switch gears, though, and talk about a half-hour dramedy from HBO that aired 15 fucking years ago. 
one one could argue is the precursor to Mrs. Maisel. Yes, a lot of inspiration from similar worlds that they take place in. <laughs> On that note, like, what was your experience watching Entourage like? Did you watch it live as it aired from 2004 onward? Did you tune in at the beginning and tune out like a lot of people have? Like, tell me about your experience. No, I I watched every week in real time from the time it started until it went out. I would have to say I was probably there demographic like their ideal viewer at the time because that was right when i was in the middle of college so i was like uh, a straight white male frat boy <laughs> when entourage came out and i couldn't get enough of it looking back i don't think the show has aged so well but at the time i was loving it the, the the show certainly hasn't aged well and we've talked about that on this pod pretty extensively and we're not going to take the next 40 minutes to talk about how it hasn't aged well let's just get it out of the way we did it things they say and do in the show can't be said and done in 2019. This episode that we're talking about today, episode 10 of season two of the Bat Mitzvah, there isn't a ton of stuff that would be super offensive, though, which is good. Yeah, I actually, when I saw the rundown of some of the questions you were going to ask that related to that, I was like, actually, this is one of the few episodes that could probably air problem-free. And and actually, when... I mean, obviously there were issues and I won't jump into it because you made it quite clear that that's not something you're interested in. But uh, but when I say it didn't age, I don't even mean in terms of like the PC culture, yeah. they would or wouldn't even be able to do. I just mean in terms of like the quality of the show, like when it was made, I thought it was fantastic. And now looking back, I'm like, it actually probably wasn't that great. No disrespect <laughs> to anyone involved, but um, that, that's kind of what I was referencing. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, let's talk about this episode. I like to do a little bit of a, a, a time jump, time capsule type thing here where we can relate back to this moment in 2005 when this episode aired. It aired on Sunday, August 7th, 2005. Oh, what a great day that was. <laughs> now, right around this time, comedian, this is very, very pertinent here. Comedian Dave Chappelle gave an interview to Time Magazine. And this interview was about his sudden and most recent departure from season three of his show, Chappelle's Show, which was scheduled to be an airing on May 31st, 2005. But in mid-May, he stunned fans and the whole entertainment industry when he abruptly left during the middle of production to go to South Africa. In this interview, he expressed that he was unhappy with the direction the show had taken. He expressed to time his need for reflection in the face of this tremendous stress. Do you remember this show? Do you remember this moment? Because I do pretty vividly and being like, what the fuck happened here? And I also remember people going, Dave Chappelle's on drugs. He's got a mental problem, which time has shown 15 years later. That is the opposite of the case. Yeah. So um, I do remember very well when Chappelle left his show just because I was a huge fan of that show. And I never would have remembered it as this time period. Like I never would have associated these two things together. But as you were reading that, I realized it actually made perfect sense why me and so many of my friends were avid entourage watchers because Chappelle's leaving left a void in our ideal program. <laughs> like in the on a college campus, if there were two shows that like college dudes were watching, it was Chappelle's show and Entourage. So now as you said that, it makes sense that like one of them left and we became that much more invested in whatever we did have to entertain us. So it was a blessing in disguise for Entourage. <laughs> it was yeah, the Chappelle show that was it, holding Entourage back. Yeah, if you want to call it that, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember hearing all the rumors at the time about Chappelle going crazy, Chappelle being in a mental hospital, Chappelle being on drugs. And as you said, obviously, time has proven that none of that was the case. And he also returned sharper than ever. Uh, but I, But I definitely remember that that moment in time 
some inside baseball type stuff, the punchline here in San Francisco is closing down and Chappelle just went in front of the whole town at like a city hall, uh, city council meeting and just gave a very eloquent, deep talk about how the punchline was like the place where he was like, he considered home essentially. Yeah. I, I know how, how uh, close the punchline and Chappelle are personally. Uh, I think it was 2008. I think it was a year and a half ago. Um, I was actually headlining the punchline for a weekend and it was my first weekend there. And I'd always heard great things about the room and I was scheduled to do a Thursday through Sunday there. And I got an email from the club manager saying I didn't have to do the late Saturday show that I was scheduled for. They would pay me the same. So like it didn't cost me any money, but they said that there was a really big comedian that wanted to come do a special one-off show. uh, And so they were going to cancel my late Saturday show so that he could do it. And I mean, as a comedian, I respected the fact that it wasn't affecting my pay and I understand a club needs to put their own needs ahead. So I wasn't too angry, but there's part of your ego that's like, oh, that's fucked up. Like this was my weekend and another comedian is just going to come take it. And then I found out it was Dave Chappelle and I was like, oh, this is amazing. By all means, please. And I got to (laughs) sit back and just watch Dave Chappelle do a late night show at the punch line in San Francisco. And it was incredible. Did he go till two in the morning? Does he does that pretty often? Yeah, he went late and he actually brought Chris Rock and Neil Brennan with him. And so it was a very kind of freestyle show where it wasn't him doing like a tight hour stand up. He was just kind of, you know, having fun on stage. But I I could see just from that weekend the relationship that he clearly has with the punchline in San Fran. Yeah, not to derail this too much more, but he oftentimes does Wednesday night shows, Thursday night shows, and at the drop of a hat, like I get the text message from the the punchline saying, you know, on sale now, and they're gone. <laughs> He's, like, it's yeah. his home club. I mean, chances are you might have been one of the people that was possibly going to come see me, and then had to <laughs> suffer through Dave Chappelle. And- <laughs> that was me, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's talk about this episode, the Bat Mitzvah. Yeah, let's do it. episode ten of season two. Did you assign this to me just because my name is Noah Garden Swartz? <laughs> You know what? No, dude. I I was talking to another comedian friend of mine in San Francisco, and we were talking about I was talking to him about this podcast and how comedians have been the best guests so far. We've had film credits on, we've had writers, we've had actors, but comedians really kind of get it and see the the layers of the show and how funny and goofy and ridiculous it was at certain points. And so I was I was thinking to myself, who's a good comedian who would understand Who's who's not? Who, I'm not Jewish, but so who's Jewish and who would also understand like how ridiculous this episode is. And he had just like been turned on to your album, and I remembered you from Last Hamet Standing, so I'm glad it worked out. Essentially, okay, cool, got it. Well, either way, I, I, whether it was through stereotyping or just dumb luck, I'm happy to be a part of this. Episode. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. So, in this episode. Vince tells Mandy that he still cares for her, but she's uncomfortable with the admission due to her engagement. James Cameron and Eric both worry that this complication will derail the production of Aquaman, but Vince swears it won't be a problem. The crew shop for suits for Ari's daughter's bat mitzvah, where they run into Sloane, the daughter of Ari's boss, Terrence. Eric and Vince show some interest in her, and at the bat mitzvah itself, they both made plays for her. In the end, Sloane goes with Eric, a fortunate choice since Mandy and her fiancé decide to take a break, which opens the door for Vince. Meanwhile, Ari's boss Terrence starts to make a move to steal Vince away from Ari, which puts a damper on Mr. Gold's rare good mood. Lastly, Turtle and Drama have to jump through multiple hoops to get a good meal during the bat mitzvah. A lot of names, a lot of people in this episode. Yeah. Before we dive in, Noah, what was just your favorite moment overall? 
Uh, my favorite moment overall actually was the storyline of drama and turtle being really high and waiting for food. Um, <laughs> I've been at a lot of Jewish functions where you're just waiting to eat and so many things are getting derailed. And then ultimately where it was the server that took them to the children's buffet. Where's my joint? Where's the goods? Turn to your right. The kids' buffet. Sweet. So we got hot dogs and chicken. Pizza. <laughs> I've been in that place so many times, whether it's at a bar by mitzvah or a wedding where they serve you a really fancy plate of meat or, or fish or something. And at the end of the day, whatever's at the children's buffet is so much better. Like they went down there and I've been high and just <laughs> pizza and macaroni and mini hot dogs and having that been all you wanted. So that was a fun moment. Oh, 100%. At the end, they're like, they're about to get into it with Vince and E, and then... We shouldn't have been in the ring in the first place. You know what? Fuck you guys for encouraging it. Come on, Turtle. Let's go work the waitress staff. Nah, fuck that. They just wheeled out the dessert cart. Do it yourself Sundays? Oh, man. Sprinkles. And they just bail. Yeah. <laughs> bail on the whole plot of the episode to go, like, eat yeah. some Sundays stoned. I also like uh, when those two 13-year-olds are sitting with them at the pool and ask them for a light, and they do the over-exaggerated, like... You got a light? You gotta be kidding me. Turtle, look at this kid. Jesus Christ, what are you, 13? And you're getting high? You're not gonna give us a lecture, are you? No, not a lecture, a life lesson. We know. You're talking to former addicts. Weed is a gateway drug, son. One day you're lighting up in full view of a dozen adults at a bat mitzvah. The next, you're cruising Santa Monica Boulevard, offering hand jobs for a crack rock. Which one of you did that? Yeah, that, that was that was a fun scene. I like the insult. I was going to talk later on about the insult one of them burned Johnny Drama with, which was pretty fine. Oh, yeah, that whole plot line definitely wins. The other two plot lines, which are like Terrence and Ari, you know, kind of competing for Vince, and then Vince and E competing for Sloan, eh, I could do without them. They're very kind of dramatic and, and played for, like, tension, and, and it's just drama and turtle. D drama and turtle in any situation are the perfect pair. Yeah, it was, you know, I, I have not watched Entourage in a long time like i once it went off the air in real time i haven't gone back and revisited but i remembered the episodes being a lot more entertaining and fun than this particular one was so thank you for assigning me the worst um, in, in the entire catalog of entourage's wonderful history yeah season two which is considered one of the best seasons of the show i gave you a dud apparently <laughs> it's okay <laughs> uh every week we talked about bros being bros moments and yes. bros being bros is always kind of a loose definition of just like a moment of the guys being a group of guys yeah. did anything like that jump out yeah the the uh moment when they were driving to the bar mitzvah all passing around the joint in the car as eric and vince were both talking about how they were going to make a play for sloan yeah. and turtle and drama were kind of chiming in on who had a better shot like that that was a very broy moment in terms of guys just like driving to a party being like oh this is the chick i'm gonna try to bang and, and like the kind of broy competition between vince and e with the other two dudes saying who had a better chance that was a legit bro moment you know, i don't need you to back off oh e don't wake a sleeping giant seriously e, take the offer while it's hot on the table look i had a connection with this girl so what she's just gonna flip to vince you have a 25 mile lead in the marathon once vince laces up his shoes it's over at least if he bangs slow he'll get over his obsession with mandy might be worth the sacrifice to save the movie hey look vince if you want to go for it go for it <laughs> okay fine i will don't scare me you famous fuck good movie 
You're gonna need all your facilities. My what? Idiot. Did I say that wrong? That weird, competitive, macho bullshit thing that guys go through in, in any group. It doesn't matter. These guys are willing to sacrifice their friendship. Yeah, you call it macho, I would call it hubris. He, yep. he was definitely uh, looking a gift horse in the mouth when, when Vince was agreeing to bow out and then his pride wouldn't let him just leave well enough alone. I also liked right before this when Turtle and Drama are sitting there in their suits. <sighs> would you stop? You're gonna spoil your appetite. You're not my mother. If I'm not eating, you're not eating. I'm fucking starving. Do you know how much food is gonna be at this thing? You eating now would be like jerking off an hour before fucking a supermodel. If I was fucking a supermodel, I would jerk off. That way I can go all night. Which is a pretty well-known uh, feature <laughs> amongst men. Yeah, I feel like that got borrowed from the uh, Something About Mary storyline, that famous scene where he jacked yep. off and came in his hair before his day with Cameron Diaz. <laughs> yeah, probably. Something About Mary was 1998. This is 2005, so 100%. It just goes to show that you can stand on the shoulder of giants, you know? Art never stops <laughs> influencing. What was... You said the, you, you consider this episode a bit of a dud. What would you say was your least favorite moment from this episode? Honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't that there were, like, really bad moments that I hated. It was just that this episode lacked really good moments. There were no definitive, hilarious lines or great scenes that stood out. It was all kind of the storyline of Vince trying to get back Mandy and Terrence trying to steal Vince, both of which were not that exciting to me, um, especially in an episode where it's like called the bar mitzvah and Ari gold. I remember at the time was such a dynamic, hilarious character where you would read, if you told me going into it, that it was an episode where Ari's daughter was having a bar mitzvah, I would have expected it to be full of hilarious Ari lines. And instead he was kind of playing like a sad sack the entire time. We'll get to famous lines, there are our favorite lines. There are a few of Ari to Ari that I think are pretty good, but uh, I do agree. He gets like pretty emotional up on stage with his daughter, which is it's a nice side to him, but you're right. It's not in the pantheon of top 15 Ari Gold moments. But this little girl changed my life, and um, watching her blossom into a woman has been one of the most remarkable things that I have ever seen. But actually, the, the moment I liked least in this episode was when they were all sitting in the kitchen before going to the bar mitzvah and E revealed that uh, Vince was into Mandy again. Vince isn't over Mandy. He never has been. He's been lying to us all along. What are you talking about? Oh yeah, he told her he loved her today in front of James fucking Cameron. I didn't use those words. I thought she was getting married. Great mother of God. This is why we told you to get her off the movie, E. Yeah, E, if this movie gets fucked up, it's on you. And it was like, yeah. just as accurate as I thought the bro moment was when they were sitting in the car talking about what girl they were gonna try to fuck, I thought it was so lame where Drama and Turtle were actually hurt that like their friend wouldn't confess his love to someone else. <laughs> like, bro, how couldn't you tell me you were still in love with Mandy? And I'm like, nothing gives a fuck. Like, Nobody. no one would talk about that. I would never give, sh give my friend shit for being like, how did you not reveal the truth in your heart? <laughs> Turtle does them. Since when are we them? Yeah, next thing you know, he's gonna be his brother. Which is a funny line. I'll, I'll divot that. Sure. <laughs> hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break to talk to you again about Fuego Box. Fuego Box is a hot sauce of the month club. They've tested thousands of small batch and craft hot sauces to bring you the tastiest sauces on planet Earth. From hundreds of hot sauces, they find the best of the best and ship them right to your front door. If you go through hot sauce as much as I do, a subscription box is the perfect solution. You can have new varieties shipped to you every month or even every quarter. Your choice, and you can cancel at any time. Try it for yourself at FuegoBots.com and use the code BROBIBLE10 
for $10 off your first subscription order. That's FuegoBots.com, the code BROBIBLE10 for $10 off your first subscription order. I also don't like the opening scene. Not a lot of music in this episode, and there's no music for like the first like 10 minutes. The opening scene is Vince and Mandy hanging on those harnesses in front of the blue screen, and they're talking about their relationship and how Vince had communication issues. If we're talking about someone who's never been up front, we should be talking about you. What? Well, I'm going to be up front now. I'm not over you. And I haven't gotten over you. How's that for up front? We are so fucked. That's not how you start an entourage episode. That's what I'm saying. Like, this, this whole episode, the two best characters for me were always Ari being crude and crass and Vince getting to be like, a movie star rock star and this one yeah. Ari is kind of a neutered version of himself and Vince is like a neutered lover boy yeah and the two people that I got the most entertainment value from were both kind of these muted sad versions of themselves and I thought the episode suffered as a result I completely agree with you you know they're they're kind of noodles in this episode and Ari bounces back pretty quickly but Vince is down for the count for the next two or three episodes of the show so right yeah we I talked about this a couple weeks ago it might have been with Adam Ray but we talked about how the Mandy Moore plotline isn't a bad plot. We just don't like the Mandy Moore plotline because of what it does to the dynamic of the characters. Sure. But it's good that it happened, but it's not it's not an enjoyable rewatch, I guess. Yeah, and I and I will say as a writer, like I understand they have to show different sides to Vince. Like men and women will get sick of just watching this guy pointlessly fuck supermodels and never yep. have any kind of emotion. So I get why they had to give him a real uh, lover's storyline, but yeah, I, I think um, possibly the placement of it or how they executed it didn't do him any favors. There was an interesting prescient line at the beginning, I, although I also thought it was a fucking snooze fest when they were just hanging up on a harness and James Cameron is talking about them. When he, when he jokingly said, in five years, we won't need actors. Well, that's his uh, animatronic seahorse. Amazing. But eventually you won't even need actors, right? In five years, we won't. Kidding. Yeah. That was like highlighting a fear that is still very much today in like how much technology and robots are taking over a job. Uh, luckily, we fought it for more than five years, but it's definitely always been and still is a concern. Well, the dude goes on to make Avatar like four years later, which had no actual, like three right. actual human beings in the whole movie. And it was the highest gross movie of all time. I mean, so. That's what Entourage doesn't get enough credit for is the <laughs> foreshadowing. They got James Cameron to admit Avatar years before it came out, man. He teased it. Uh, it's a multi-layered onion, Noah. That's what I say to everyone. They're like, you do a podcast about Entourage? I'm like, do you remember how much stuff is in Entourage? Such good shit. You mentioned earlier Ari not having any good lines. There's one or two good lines that jump out of me. One is like an all-timer to me. They're in line, you know, greeting the golds at the bat mitzvah. Hey, boys, enjoy yourselves. Tonight we eat like kings, 500 ahead. Stop it. I told you. Smoke more weed, turtle. Seriously, smoke more weed. <laughs> that that actually was an all-timer because that was something that got quoted to me a lot in college. I was <laughs> a huge pothead for years, and I remember hearing a lot of people like, smoke more weed. Yes, the sarcastic smoke more weed was an all-time quote. I will give you that. Any other quotes? No, I mean, I always get a kick out of non-Jewish characters trying to speak Hebrew. So <laughs> when Johnny Drama said, don't be such, such a chazer. Oh, come on, E. I think you can afford a nice suit. E, e don't be such a chazer, huh? 
Brushing up on my Hebrew for the affair. Haza means greedy, drama, not cheap. How do you know? He used to valet park at Ohav Shalom. That's great, drama. Now you're illiterate in two languages. You know, he said it means greedy when in actuality, Chazer is pig in Hebrew. Okay. So I understand like the analogy, like a greedy pig. Uh, but I always get a kick out of seeing Goy's speak Hebrew. Especially drama, because he's such an over-actor in everything right. he does. Right, with like <laughs> the thick, fake New York accent. Don't be such a chazer. <laughs> and then last, uh, another gold, Ari Gold line, when he shows up after his run and Terrence is in his backyard and his wife goes, Ari. What? You're a partner now. You don't need to be afraid of him I, anymore. I'm afraid of him. I'll beat that old fucking throw him in the pool. Only daddy speaks that way. Very, very well-written Ari line, but... I'll beat that old fuck and throw him in the pool. That wouldn't exist in 2019. Actually, I think I think that one could go. <laughs> I, I think we still say stuff like that. You're the best like source for this because I, I haven't had a current writer on a successful TV show uh, on this podcast yet. So you'll be the best gauge as to what aged well and what didn't. Well, what, what's interesting though is I'm writing for a show that takes place in 1959, so it's actually the opposite. <laughs> where like obviously we don't go out of our way to be offensive, but we can get away with saying things that you certainly can't say in 2019 because it was period appropriate. So, so sorry, sorry to uh, deflate your host, but I'm actually the worst, <laughs> the worst, uh, you can the worst it. guest. Yeah. <laughs> worst guest for the worst episode. It's, it's <laughs> your fans. Are gonna There's been it. some bad episodes this season, only a few, but like, I don't, I honestly don't think the bot mitzvah is one of the worst ones. I predict, I like this one particularly. A lot of new characters are introduced, which we'll get to, but yeah, so real quick, I wanted to, to touch on music. Music plays a big part in Entourage. We have a playlist on Spotify called the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah Music Playlist. It's in the show notes of today's episode. Sure. I loved how the dance floor music of this bat mitzvah was so fucking outdated. It like yeah. made me laugh well, hearing like Rihanna. Yeah, it was it was pretty classic to see a shot of the old Jews dancing to 50 Cent and Tony Yeo's. Uh, <laughs> I forget what the name of the song was, maybe So Seductive or something like that. It was so seductive. Unedited, so seductive. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was the height of G-Unit and 50 Cent and you just had like people that could pass as my Zadie dancing on the dance floor. It was pretty great. On out of the DJ Quick, spin that shit. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, DJ Quick. So I'll I'll get to that when you have your next few questions. I, but I did like "Fooled Around and Fell in Love," which is like playing towards like the end of the episode by Elvin Bishop is kind of a classic. It was one of my wedding songs. I'll fully admit it. Like holds a special place in my heart. So liked hearing that. And then they they ended on a Doors song, which Dodge Allen tends to end episodes on like an Eagles or a Doors song and. Didn't, didn't dislike the door sound. The truth is, if we're being upfront with one another, I'm not over you either. Really? Really. You wanna go get a cup of coffee and talk about it? It's so funny that that was one of your wedding songs and you're like, you represent the bro Bible and this is such a bro <laughs> show and yet you're having this truly sentimental moment to entourage. <laughs> no, I've got to do this every week. I'm trying to, to 
extract as much heart from the show as I tan men. I get it. <laughs> you gotta understand. Honestly, this reminds me of like my middle school book reports where I would just dig for the deepest bullshit I could to pass the time on conversation. <laughs> not to say not to say that you're not doing a fantastic job. Boy, are you reaching. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I really do. Because that's what I do. I sit here and I do a deep dive on every episode and I'm just researching these people's lives. And yeah, I mean, the fact that you actually said the sentence, Doug Allen typically ends each episode. <laughs> I'm like, what, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> For listeners of the show, they'll know what I'm talking about. If, from day one listeners of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, they know what I'm saying. Celebrities. Usually there's a lot of good celebrity cameos in these episodes. Not really in this yeah. one. There was the DJ Twitch and then uh, Melinda Clark, who I can talk about in a second. But did you have something about DJ Twitch you wanted to say? Well, yeah. I was So I saw that you had what was the best and worst cameo. And I would yeah. say that goes to the same person, which is DJ Quick. <laughs> like I loved, I loved the DJ Quick cameo to see uh dj quick djing a bar mitzvah was hilarious and a very surprising and nice celebrity cameo but it was also the worst and sad for me to think of like what financial position dj quick had to be in to accept the role because he didn't get to be a character on the show he didn't even get a speaking line he literally got 10 seconds of showing him spin records with tiny little jews surrounding him and i was just (laughs) like how did his agent pitch him on this and what did he need to pay for in his life where he agreed to do this dj quick David Marvin Blake, he's 35 years old in this episode. He's from Compton, California. Maybe he was on some hard times and just needed a quick paycheck. But then again, I guess this like Entourage was the show to be on at the time, so maybe it was just cool. But then he, can you imagine DJ Quick being sad on set, sitting in his trailer, complaining <laughs> about how they didn't even give him any lines, or possibly DJ Quick being really excited? Maybe they gave him lines and he like had a viewing <laughs> party in Compton, told all of his friends to come over. And then they just showed him for 10 seconds and he had to explain how they cut all of his shit. There was a young Kendrick Lamar, 12 years old, sitting there <laughs> watching it with him. Uh, so Melinda Clark, Terrence's wife, is considered, I guess, a celebrity tamo because that's her actual name. She's an actress named Melinda Clark. Melinda, it's so great to see you. You too. You look fabulous. Thank you. Being a housewife certainly agrees with you. And playing a raging bitch on TV certainly agrees with you. You're so natural. Well, if you hadn't quit acting at 25, it might have been you on a hit TV show. (laughs) 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 Honey, I need a drink. I think I need a drink, too. (laughs) She looked familiar. Did you watch The O.C. back in the day, Noah? No. She was on the OC. She was Julie Cooper, the mom of Marissa, who was the main character. She did 90 episodes of the OC. She was in Days of Our Lives for like two seasons. And then she was on a show, Nikita, where she played the role of Amanda for 70 episodes. This woman's like a well-known working soap and network television actress. So it was interesting that they got her. Her playing like the, you know, the bitchy uh, actress wife role to Terrence was interesting, I thought. Didn't hate her, didn't love her. Yeah, she well, it's interesting that she actually did have such a career because like, you know, sometimes people just have that look of someone who should or will be famous. And like she there was something about her that was slightly different and more important than like the person who just gets cast to play the hot woman for one episode. Yeah, and that's what I think Entourage does a good job of is kind of jamming in these people that have bigger careers than you would think into these very bit roles. I mean, the Melinda Clark character shows up like three more times over the course of the show and has very little to do, but she plays herself essentially, which is cool. Yeah. So every week 
if it calls for it, we like to give out awards. And one of the awards we give out is the Marvin Award for the best new character. Marvin's named after their financial advisor. He's not in this episode, but there are two new characters that are brought to the show who play a pretty integral part to the, the rest of the plot. That is Sloan Matuick and Terrence Matuick. Who do you want to talk about first, Noah? I could talk for hours about Sloan Matuick, Emmanuel <laughs> Shariki. She was my favorite. I mean, she is arguably still is my number one. Like I had such an outrageously humongous crush on Sloan the entire time Entourage was on the air. And seeing her on screen again today just brought back all those old feelings. I mean, I, I think she is so beautiful. If she's listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Emmanuel, Emmanuel. If you're out there, even though I'm getting married in three months. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, no, she, she was. If this was the first episode she was ever in, then boy, did they nail it with the uh, most important character. See, all right. Well, so you can't criticize the episode that much if this is the first Sloan episode. She's in like 60 episodes from this point on. Listen, even a broken clock is right twice a day. You know, so shitty episode with the entrance of Sloan, and there we go. I'll call it even. And I won't be mad at you for making me watch this one. All right. You don't remember me? Sloan. Sloan McEwick, right? That's right. Good memory. Eric, right? Yeah, good memory too. Vince, this is Terrence's daughter. Terrence is Ari's boss. Uh, Ari's partner. That's right, now I remember. Do you? No, not really. I'm sorry, how, how did we meet? The Christmas party last year, you were going to Italy, right? That's right. You were thinking about getting engaged. What? We had a couple drinks. <laughs> More than a couple, I think. I take it you didn't then. Oh, no, no we broke up. In 2010, she topped the AskMen.com Most Desirable Women list. She's known for, obviously, her role as Sloan Matuick, but she was also Dahlia, which is a love interest of Adam Sandler's character in You Don't Mess with the Zohan. Zohan, She was in Super Troopers 2. She's known for her role on The Mentalist, and she's currently starring alongside Mark Paul Dossler on Fox's The Passage as Dr. Lila Kyle. She's got a new viewer. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, she's famously Canadian. She's a Canadian. Uh, she's Canadian and Jewish. Yeah, Canadian Moroccan, I think. Jew. I, yep. Maybe I've done a research or two before. Who knows? <laughs> maybe a little Google image search. Who knows? Yeah. No. She. I mean, she wins because of her staying power. She wins because uh, you never hate to see her. She's fucking gorgeous. She's a smoke. She. I mean, this changed like a lot of young boys became men seeing the show uh, in, in, in its encountering her. Is, is my Which opinion. is appropriate for a bar bat mitzvah themed episode. <laughs> I, sorry to interrupt, but I do have to admit, I always, even at the time, thought she was way too good for E or Eric's character. That was one that I never believed. <laughs> yeah, and that was one plot that stuck around for way too long. There's a lot of back and forth. Yeah. Too much back and forth. Um, but we will get to that when I'm doing those episodes in a year and a half. <laughs> Fair enough. Terrence, Sloan's father, Malcolm McDowell, the actor who plays Terrence, is a very successful stage and film actor. 50-year career. He's known primarily for his controversial role as Alex DeLarge in A Clockwork Orange, Stanley Kubrick's film. Sure. He was the title character in Caligula. <laughs> he's also, he was also really great in uh, Mozart in the Jungle. That's right. Another Amazon original. Yeah, Got to keep it in the family. Throw my plug. Yeah. That's right. Um, he's recently become a prolific voice actor. He does voices in the Fallout video games, Gods of War, Call of Duty. He he just recently received his Hollywood Walk of Fame star in 2012. Oh wow! Terrence Matuick, an OG. 
with with an awesome actor backing him. I really like the role. I think he's. I, I couldn't decide between him and Sloane as the best new character. He he was good. I mean, I, I like him as an actor very much. The role of Terrence never did much for me one way or another. I certainly didn't mind it, didn't hate it, but never looked forward to scenes that he was in. Yeah, he he was a nice foil to Ari early on, and then yeah. later on. Ari buys him out and comes back to his old agency. Listen, the reason for my visit is I'd like a little chat with Mr. Chase tonight. I'd like to see into his head, find out what his hopes and his dreams are. We've had that talk dozens of times, and uh, and I can tell you firsthand. No, firsthand would be him telling me. (laughs) Yeah. So, listen, why don't you give me a proper introduction tonight, huh? If we're being honest, if there's one person that could be the foil or kind of uh, the intimidator to Ari Gold's character, they'd probably have to have a British accent. So it makes sense. Yep. Every week we talk about outfits that haven't aged very well. The boys go suit shopping early in the episode. They go to Barney's in Beverly Hills. Any outfits that the guys were wearing jump out at you is not aging particularly well? Yeah, literally all their outfits. The suits, <laughs> the suits that they bought, the pants may as well have been Jankos. I mean, it's, it's so funny uh, yesterday, you know, there was that picture of President Trump at at the cemetery, and he has these huge suit pants on. And someone said President Trump looks like he was a member of the 2003 NBA draft. <laughs> and then they pulled up the picture of the 2003 NBA draft, and everyone's suit pants were huge. And so the fact that this was 2004, I guess that was the style. That was before a European cut came in come, came into play. But like, honestly, you could have fit two or three people in each one of their suits. Yeah. The idea of them going to Barney's and E being like, I'm going to men's warehouse. Let's say it like confidently was. How come you're not trying anything on? Because I don't let other men buy my clothes, John. And I'm not paying two grand for a suit myself. Why don't you wear the suit you wore for your high school graduation? It's still hanging in your closet. I thought that was his communion suit. Yeah, well, he didn't grow much from communion to high school graduation, so it's probably the same suit. Fuck you guys. I'm going to men's warehouse. Oh, come on. <laughs> it made me laugh out loud because men's warehouse is where you go when you're going to prom. <laughs> You're going to like the way you look, I guarantee it. So if this episode aired today, in 2019, we've talked a little bit about how the music didn't age well. This episode held up pretty well, right, compared to 2019? Yeah, there was, there was honestly, there, were no, there was no language or questionable behavior that would not have aged well. Like, as far as Entourage especially goes, I think there wasn't anything they said that you couldn't say in 2019. And then also... In terms of just storylines like outdated technology, I really think you could air this episode in 2019 and no one would think it was out of place. Yeah, I think the only like very little nitpicky thing would be like drama and Turtle being high and like kind of having to hide it. Like it would just be right. everyone in the episode would be high. <laughs> yeah, they all the bar mitzvah girl would have had a vape pen while she was, <laughs> yeah. you know, saying her practicing her haftorah. So. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Other than the weed being like actually like a thing they need to be scared about people finding out. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the rest of the episode was pretty of the time. What was your favorite Johnny drama moment from this episode? Uh, my favorite Johnny drama moment was when they were at the pool eating the kids buffet, talking to those kids <laughs> who asked them for a light. And he said, you know, there's a gateway drug. One minute you're getting high. The next minute you're on Hollywood Boulevard giving hand jobs for crack. And the kid says, well, which one of you two did that? I, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny to see Johnny get owned by some 13-year-olds. <laughs> 
Turtle immediately that gestures over to drama. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the idea of them like trying to lay down the law with these two 13 year olds who are, have already been smoking weed for a year or two. And right. And that was just so drama's character, like trying to be some kind of authority or moral figure when he himself is such a mess. We're in the home stretch here for the questions. Every week we like to talk about who won the episode, but Vince is exempt from this because he's the A-list movie star. He wins every episode. So who besides Vince won this episode, Noah? I mean, I would say, obviously, Sloane wins the episode because she's the <laughs> only one I couldn't take my eyes off of. But in that <laughs> respect, I would have to say E wins the episode for yep. being the one who wins Sloane. Ipso facto, E wins. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, like... Vince and Ari are kind of shells of themselves, down on their luck a little bit this episode, stressing out about Terrence, stressing out about Mandy, like, not good looks. Turtle and Drama are just kind of running around like two stoned idiots. So I think E rises to the top, and uh, there's no, we're not keeping track or anything like that, but he's won a few episodes uh, this season. He's he's on a nice little hot streak, and he, it's only going to get hotter now that he's dating Sloan. Right. All right, well, this is the rise of E. Entourage season two and a half, the rise of E. Yeah. Would you say this was an A-list episode, a B-list episode, or a D-list episode? I would say it was B-list. Uh, it's definitely not A-list um, for obvious reasons. We've talked about how the storylines were just kind of boring. But in terms of D-list, I would save those for the ones that clearly didn't age well or the ones that had like eye-rollingly bad cheesy lines or offensive storylines. So like, as far as Entourage goes, this is pretty, pretty middle of the pack. There's nothing exciting about it, but it's also not one that you would watch 10, 15 years later and be like, how the fuck did they ever get this on TV? <laughs> I think I'm going to agree with you. I originally was going to go like a low A, but a, a high B seems accurate because we're on the tails of a lot of A's here. They just were at Sundance. They just did Comic-Con last week. If you haven't checked out that episode, it's I Love You Too with comedian Adam Ray. Go listen. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that could have gone better in this episode and Ari and Vince kind of being like not really uh, their best versions of themselves that that demotes it to a b to me as well yeah i i don't think i'm guessing that you love entourage based on the fact that you host this podcast and i don't think you can be a self-respecting entourage fan and classify this episode as amongst the best and putting it in the a-list so last question we asked it of every guest if you were in a real life entourage who would you be I mean, I would be Vinny Chase only because I'm actually in the entertainment industry and none of my best friends are. So they, they all live fairly normal lives and I'm the only one in front of or around the camera. So in that respect, I guess by default, I would be Vinny Chase. Uh, and also my best friend from growing up is named Eli and we call him E. So Wow. <laughs> I think that's the best case for Vinny Chase that I've heard on this show and you're one of the few people who has been like yeah no i'm in the entertainment industry i'm vince a lot of people don't feel comfortable saying that they're vince because they don't want to consider themselves the center of the uh the entourage universe yeah i mean listen i'm not i'm not out here trying to brag and act like i'm the greatest fucking movie star in the world but i <laughs> all of my best friends from childhood most of them live in denver and are are working the nine to five married with kids so just by process of elimination i would give myself the Vinny role but I would say, uh, with respect to like a crew of hanging out amongst my comedian or industry friends, I would probably default to the turtle role of I spent years of just kind of being the the pothead with the wisecracks in the background. Okay, so a hybrid. Yeah, Vince I'll give myself turtle. a Vinny Turtle split. <laughs> That's nice. I like that. Well, Noah, this has been a blast. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to break down one of these, one of the many. 
entourage episodes that I think people remember well. Dude, it was, it was a lot of fun. Where can the good listeners of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah follow you? Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Noah G Comedy. And if any of them are in the New York area, you can always check my show schedule uh, at NoahGComedy.com. Thanks, Noah. We'll definitely want to have you back. We're going to be in New York soon to do some in-person uh, interviews. If you ever feel like breaking down another episode of Entourage, let me know. Yeah, just reach out. I appreciate you. I had fun doing this. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Thank you, you too.